0: Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to Off the Bench with Heidi St. John. Today is Friday, December 4th. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Thanks for tuning in today. I am on my way right now to Eastern Washington. I'll be speaking tonight in Kennewick, Washington, for Calvary Chapel there for their Christmas uh, women's event. I cannot wait to do that. Nothing to me is more exciting right now than watching God's people gather together and enjoy the season free from fear. And so uh, I'm looking forward to that. We'd appreciate your prayers tonight as we get ready just to be encouraged together. Just prayers for safety, also. So, if you live in the Pacific Northwest, uh, Washington in particular, but this could absolutely be true for those of you in Oregon, there's gonna be a protest tomorrow, Saturday, at the state capitol in Olympia. Basically, they're just saying we wanna reopen Washington state. So Washington state, obviously under tyrannical leadership, I actually think fraudulently so, but whatever, that's just my opinion uh, of the uh, the dictator, Governor Inslee here in Washington state, and they'll be gathering a uh, rain or shine on the state Capitol steps. So I will link back to that in the show notes today, but I want to encourage you guys to go. I'm not sure if I'll be able to be there or not because of my schedule in Kennewick, but uh, I wanted to let you guys know that that was happening. We need as many people as possible to show up, let your voices be heard. You guys, your voices are being stolen from you. I think largely by lack of just saying, you know what, we're just going to let somebody else do it. Well, that's not working out very good for us right now, I would say. So I'm going to encourage you, like I always do, get off the bench, get onto the battlefield, uh, check it out and see what you can do to stand and fight for freedom right now and let your voice be heard. Isaiah 46, verse four says, I will be your God throughout your lifetime until your hair is white with age. I made you, I will care for you. I will carry you along and save you. I love that he says, I will carry you Along, And I think a lot of us are in a position right now of just needing to hear over and over that God is gonna carry us. And I often think of my grandmother when I read passages like this because she was an amazing woman and I will never forget the wonderful sound of her laugh. If I close my eyes, I can see her challenging my older brother to an arm wrestling match or bringing home yet another stray animal from the field near our home in boring Oregon. Uh, My grandmother's eyes wrinkled when she smiled almost to the point of disappearing in a beautiful, Beautiful expression that made me feel so loved and wanted. My grandmother was a force for the kingdom and I loved her deeply. But time, as you guys are learning, takes no prisoners. And as the years went by, her laugh lines grew deeper and her pace slowed. And eventually she traded in constructing tree forts. Yes, she climbed the trees uh, for creating cardboard houses And when her hands became too full of arthritis to use scissors, she traded in cardboard houses for Command Central, which was teaching her great-grandkids how to build them. And I marveled at the way she enjoyed every stage of her life, even the parts that most of us dread. And I wondered out loud one day about how she was able to go through life with such a joyful outlook. And my grandmother was a child of the depression. Like she had seen what what war does to nations and she had seen what happens when poverty uh, gets a grip on the nation. And I'm gonna be talking a little bit about a book that I'm working my way through today, but I was looking at this book and then I got to thinking, oh my goodness, you know, my grandmother would have said exactly the same thing because she knew that joy was a was a huge factor, she was a fighter, that woman, probably hard for you guys to imagine, right uh, my grandmother being a fighter, but she wasn 't big on complaining, and she had learned about the brevity and preciousness of life as a child. She lost most of her siblings to scarlet fever. I remember her telling me this story now that was a real pandemic, like people like legit dying in your house, and because the undertaker couldn 't come to quarantined houses in rural Nebraska. She was left up to her to help her grief-stricken mother prepare the bodies of her siblings for burial. And this was serious. And you know what, my grandma, after that, she just wasn't afraid. She's like, my days are numbered. My days have been ordained for me. And the memories of that terrible time remained with her throughout her whole life. But then so did her faith. And God used it to strengthen her and to prepare her for other valleys that she would inevitably encounter along the way. Uh, Through the Great Depression, she learned that God always provided. Uh, After a devastating car accident that nearly took her life, she learned that God is the healer. A story that she told uh, joyfully, really, for the rest of her life. And actually, when I lost a baby to miscarriage, she comforted me as well. And she said, Heidi, there's no time in our life that God fails us. And she said that to me as tears poured down my face. She said, Heidi, he's with you now and he's with your baby. Don't let this painful thing cause you to doubt the love that God has for you. God's heart toward you is always, ever, only good. And my grandmother spoke with authority when it came to suffering. Her perseverance in trials is what gave her the ability to help me through my own struggle. And you know what, you guys? Your ability right now to help your own kids through struggles as they get older is being forged in the fires right now. My grandmother knew the one who could heal the heart of a brokenhearted mom, and she pointed me back to him. And she was right, wasn't she? God was with her to her old age. And just like he was with her, he's with you, and He. Is with me. And I remember the day that the Lord called her home. She was ready to go. And I know she heard, well done, good and faithful servant. So if you're struggling to understand God's heart for you right now, look up and believe in the promises that are in God's word because they're there for you. And God's going to be with you throughout your lifetime. He made you, He will carry you, He will save you. His heart toward you is always, ever, only good. And we need to know that right now because we are going through some really serious uh, struggles in our nation right now. And I'm just gonna encourage you again, as you consider what the message is that you are sending to your own children, right In in the middle of COVID, in the middle of all these things, what is the message that you're sending to your children? Would your children say that you're trusting the Lord? Would your child, do you think your children would say, oh yeah, that's my, you know, my parents, boy, they, they struggled, I remember that. I remember the Rona, I remember this, I remember that. They trusted God. Because one thing I, I learned for sure from my grandmother, she trusted the Lord, but she was a woman of action. She never sat down for very long. She was always like, okay, Lord, like when she, when she had to take a rest, she took a rest, but then she was resting to get back onto the battlefield. And frankly, I learned a lot of that from her. I learned it because she she spoke with such authority uh, when it came to suffering. And she understood that it was not without meaning. And I think we need to understand this right now. Uh, I've been reading a book that was sent to me by my friend, Steve Lambert. Shout out to uh, Steve and Jane, two of my favorite people in the whole wide world. Uh, he, I'm a fan of, if you guys have never read uh, Alexander uh, Solzhenitsyn. So I read him when I was in high school and did actually my senior paper uh on uh euthanasia and what's happening in the country right now would have been completely unthinkable and in fact it was unthinkable in the 80s but Solzhenitsyn was saying this can actually happen this could happen to America this could, if you guys don't wake up this can happen to you i think it's one of the reasons why my grandmother was so committed to truth both of them actually my my grandfather and my grandmother very very committed to truth and to teaching Uh, me, how to walk in it. And so I read, I've been reading this book. I'm not done with it. I'm gonna try to find the author because I'd love to get him on the show. But he wrote a book called Live Not By Lies. And I'm gonna link back to it in the show notes today because I want you guys to, I want you to buy it. (laughs) I'll just be honest with you. I want you to buy this book. It's called Live Not By Lies, a manual for Christian dissidents. And uh, he writes in the very beginning, survivors of, of Soviet totalitarianism have a warning for us. It can happen here. Over the past few years, America has seen the rise of a chilling, soft totalitarianism. Something more than brave new world, something more brave new world than 1984. Identity politics are beginning to encroach on every aspect of life. Progressives attempt to marginalize conservatives, traditional Christians, and other dissenters sneering at the idea of civil liberties protecting their beliefs. Corporations now censor opinions on with, with which they disagree, right? We're, we're watching this toward uh, conservatives on Facebook and uh, Instagram. Corporations now censor opinions with which they disagree. Technology is inching us toward a surveillance state and consumerism has dulled our spirits and made us willing to accept secularism imposed not by gulags, but by softer means. Despite these warning signs, many American Christians fail to recognize the dangers and even fewer know what they can do to resist. Meanwhile, men and women who survived communist oppression and have been sounding the alarm that their souls and their liberties are already at stake. Wow, you guys, you need to go get this book, Live Not By Lies, A Manual for Christian Distance by Rod Dreher. Draher, I'm not sure how you say his name. I probably just slaughtered it. Uh, In Live Not By Lies, uh, he amplifies the alarm and explains why it is so hard for us to recognize a threat of totalitarianism in our own time. He lays out the steps for resistance and shares stories of modern day dissidents who preserved their faith and their integrity during a time of tyranny, revealing how to keep your sons and daughters in the faith like the Benda family, whose six children remained devoted in the face of persecution. How to stand firm, like Father Jersey, who gave up his life to speak out against the communist regime. How to let go of bitterness, like a physician who prayed for his captors every day of his 13-year prison sentence. How not to live by lies like Russia's Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who refused to affirm anything he knew to be untrue, even at the price of exile. And this is my big thing with the masks, you guys. I'm like, why are we affirming things we know to be untrue? Why would we, why would we do that? Too many of us are sleeping through the erosion of our freedoms, assuming that totalitarianism can't happen here and live not by lies is the wake up call that we need and will equip us for the long resistance. Uh, I have been fascinated by this book written by a senior editor at the American conservative. And I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to try to, to get him on the show, but just for just so that you guys know, you know, we don't do a lot of reading in the culture anymore, I think, which is really too bad. And there's a bunch of, we read a lot of social media, but it's garbage. I'm telling you. Uh, the contents of this book, part one, understanding soft totalitarianism. Uh, and he goes through our pre totalitarian culture, which is where we are right now, progressivism as religion. And actually, I'd say the Rona, I'm starting to call it the cult of COVID. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, part two, how to live in truth. Um, Chapter five starts off, value nothing more than truth. And we were talking about this yesterday uh, at the show and I was telling you that truth is not subjective and you really can't reason with somebody who believes that truth is subjective. And Solzhenitsyn uh, was not the only dissident to make Live Not By Lies the core of an anti-totalitarian resistance. A Czech playwright and future post-communist president, I cannot say this guy's name, so I'm gonna try, Uh, his last name is Havel, his most famous injunction to would-be dissidents was to, quote, live in truth. In his most important piece of political writing, which was secretly passed around, Havel wrote about the power of the powerless, which was the essay's title. He knew that he was addressing a nation that had no way to rise up against the Czech police state, but he also knew that most of them, he knew what most of them did not. They were not entirely powerless. Consider, he said, the case of the green grocer who posts a sign in his shop bearing the well-known slogan for the communist manifesto, Workers of the World Unite. He doesn't believe in it. He just hangs it in his shop as a signal of his own conformity. And this is what's happening with the masks right now. I know so many people are hanging those stupid, you know, no mask, no entry, uh, you know, the picture of the guy with the face mask. They don't believe in it. They're just hanging it in their their shops as a signal of conformity. They just wanna be left alone. And these actions are not meaningless because the Green Grocers Act not only conforms that this is what is expected of one in a communist society, but it also perpetuates a belief that this is what it means to be a good citizen. Listen, he, Havel went on to say, "Let us now imagine that one day something in our greengrocer snaps, and he stops putting up the slogans merely to uh, to ingratiate himself." He stops voting in elections he knows are a farce. He begins to say what he really thinks at political meetings, and he finds the strength in himself to express solidarity with those with whom his conscience commands him to support. In this revolt, the green grocer steps out of living within a lie. He rejects the ritual and breaks the rules of the game. He discovers once more his suppressed identity and dignity and he gives his freedom a concrete significance. His revolt is an attempt to live within the truth and this costs him. And this is what I want you guys to hear because the truth is costly. The truth has always been costly and this costs him. He loses his shop, his salary is cut. He cannot travel abroad. This is is absolutely the case every day in communist China. Maybe his children won't be able to get into college. People persecute him and those around him, not necessarily because they oppose his stance, but because they know that this is what they have to do to keep the authorities off their back. The poor little green grocer who testifies to the truth by refusing to mouth a lie suffers, but there is deeper meaning to his gesture. By breaking the rules of the game, he has disrupted the game as such. He has exposed it as a mere game. He has shattered the world of appearances, the fundamental pillar of the system. He has upset the power structure by tearing apart what holds it together. He has demonstrated that living a lie is living a lie. He has broken through the exalted facade of the system and exposed the real base foundations of power. He said that the emperor is naked. And because the emperor is in fact naked, something extremely dangerous has happened. By his action, the greengrocer has addressed the world. He has enabled everyone to peer behind the curtain. He has shown everyone that it is possible to live within the truth. Living within the lie can constitute the system only if it's universal. The principle must embrace and permeate everything. There are no terms whatsoever on which it can coexist with living within the truth and therefore everyone who steps out of the line denies it in principle and threatens it in its entirety wow this is great stuff this is great stuff and i i want to just encourage you to continue to live a life apart from the crowd because what we're seeing happen right now and, and as i was reading this uh it just totally you know here's this guy who's putting up the sign outside of his grocery store not because he believed it because it was just a symbol of him saying i'm going to conform please leave me alone and because we're doing that in the culture right now we are suffering terribly Terribly. We're doing it in our churches when we uh, kowtow to the LGBTQ orthodoxy, which is absolutely opposed to the truth of God's word. And we need to be uh, aware of the, of the cost that this is having because it's absolutely having a terrible cost. And under hard totalitarianism, dissenters like Whitner have paid a price for their freedom. But the terms of the bargain were clear. Under soft totalitarianism, it's much more difficult to see the cost of compromising your conscience But I'm telling you guys, you can't escape the decisions. You have to live in a world of lies, but it's your choice as to whether or not that world lives in you. He goes on to say, and I obviously don't have time to read the whole thing. I need to get this guy on the show. This is one of the most important books I think I've ever read. Uh, He says, cherish truth telling, but be prudent. This is important. While it's imperative to fight assimilation to lies, combating lies doesn't mean refusing all compromise. Ordinary life in every society requires assessing which fights are worth having in a given context. Though one must guard against rationalization, prudence is not the same thing as cowardice. This is important because I think it goes back to the mask argument. I was talking to a mom the other day and she said that she was just struggling, 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 you know. Inside the church, I'm like, no, I'm not actually gonna play the game. Inside the church where the truth should be the only thing that we do, we, and if we ascend to lies, I don't, I don't actually understand that. For the mom who just said, I just need to go get a gallon of milk and I just don't have it in me to be yelled and screamed at today, I actually have grace for that. I know that uh, one of my daughters absolutely feels that way. And I went into, uh, downtown the other night i think i told you guys last week i you know like you guys i mean i follow the news and i'm watching what's happening and it's heartbreaking and i went into town and it was nighttime because now the sun you know i'm i live up here in the north so the sun goes down at like i don't know 4 30 this time of year it's so depressing and i and i was just struggling and i thought i'm gonna i'll do a little tiny bit of christmas shopping and you guys and this actually happened to me i i sat in my car in front of the store and I saw masked person after masked person after masked person come out of the store. And I drove to another store, saw the same thing, drove to another store, saw the same thing. And I finally just collapsed in tears. I just thought, I don't actually have it in me to do this today. And I went home. And you don't have to fight every battle. You don't have to swing at every pitch. But understanding that we don't live by lies is sort of the beginning of it. Listen to this, he said, as a Hungarian boy scout, Tomás's father had been linked to a typewriter on which someone composed anti-Soviet propaganda. The year was 1946 and the Red Army occupied Hungary. All the scouts connected to the typewriter suffered punishment, death, exile, or in the case of the elder uh, internment without charge in a prison camp. You see, we think this can't happen here, it can't. In 1963, when Tomas was only seven years old, he came home from school and told his father how the Soviet army had liberated their nation. His father said, boy, sit down. He began to tell me stories of the 56 uprising and the Soviet invasion. He told me the truth. And when he finished, he warned me, never talk about this at school. Why? Prudence. Tomas glances down at the floor of his Budapest living room we have so many problems today because fathers never talk to their sons as my father did to me in 1963. Tomas's point is that parents were so afraid that their children would be punished for inadvertently telling the truth that they chose not to tell them the truth at all about their country's history or the regime. And his father, though, he knew from personal experience how vicious the communists were, believed that his son deserved the truth, but also should be taught how to handle himself with it. Judith Pastor, Thomas's wife, and a literature teacher at a Catholic university also watched as her father suffered from persecution, though his fate was much crueler. He was sacked as a military journalist for refusing to uh, swear a loyalty oath on the government installed by the Soviets following the 1956 invasion. And then in 1968, outraged by the persecution of ethnic Hungarians by the communist regime in neighboring Romania, Judith's father went to a trade fair in Budapest, ripped down a poster of the dictator, Nicolae Ceausescu, which by the way, if I hear one more person, you guys, we don't understand how wicked these dictators were. It's so frustrating because we don't know history. Anyway, he ripped down a poster of the dictator at a Romanian exhibit and stomped on it. And for that, he received 18 months in jail. It shattered him. Based on the Soviet method, it was given common practice to label political prisoners mentally ill and give them treatment. He got 50 electroshocks. He suffered a heart attack as a result of the electroshock, but it was never treated. This wasn't uncommon. When Judith's father was released, he was a shell of himself. He was diagnosed as schizophrenic, put on a medical pension and reduced to living on the margins. Judith's mother divorced him after a while and no one ever spoke of it, ever. The family's code of silence about what was done to Jadit's father was an excruciating burden for her. And today, though she speaks openly about what communism did to her dad, especially to the university students he teaches, she is also campaigning to have his name posthumously cleared. This too is a matter of telling the truth. Pastor takes comfort that one of her sons has taken up the cause for which his grandfather essentially gave his life the plight of persecuted ethnic Hungarians. Yet this woman, who lived through the destruction of her family over her father's recklessly brave decision to take a stand for the truth, said there is a lot to be said for passive opposition. Sometimes silence is an act of resistance. Not just standing up for the truth by communicating loudly, but keeping silent when you aren't expected to be silent. That, too, is telling the truth. You guys pick up this book, live not by lies a manual for Christian dissidents by Rod Dreher. And uh, I will link back to it in the show notes today. I'm out of time today. It's Friday. And so I hope you guys have a great weekend with your family. Maybe turn off social media for a little bit, be present with your kids. I'm going to be in Kennewick, Washington, being present for a whole bunch of 500 women there. And I hope you guys will join me. Have a great weekend and I'll see you back here on Monday.